Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. It's so good to be with you all this morning. Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit for those on site and online. We're going to begin our time with a short guessing game, okay? And with me is a tray of eggs, okay? It's a tray of eggs. And what you need to do that I require your participation is actually to figure out for me which one is real and which one is fake. Or rather, there's a fake egg among the three that you see right now on the camera. But before that, let me show you that I have real eggs, okay? So this is a real egg. Mm, this is my breakfast after. So over here is a real egg, as you can see. So I'm going to give you guys 10 seconds. And what you guys are going to do is you're going to try to guess which one is the fake among the three eggs, okay? So ready? Go! 10, 9, Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Because okay, wait, 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 wait. We're gonna do this in an organized manner. For those online, so sorry, I'm gonna get the response from the on-site people. So how many of you think is egg number one? Show of hands. Okay, a few. Okay. Egg number two. Okay. Egg number three. Wow. What, what's, what's up with this egg number three that you all believe? Okay. We'll go with the majority, egg number three. Okay, so let's try, yeah. Congrats. Give yourself a hand. Congrats. Okay, but actually, there's something that I never tell you all. Actually, all of them are fake eggs. <laughs> but give yourself a hand for your participation. Thank you so much. But you know, in, in this world that we live in today, it's hard to tell what is real and what is fake fake, especially in the world that we live in today. And one of the tactics the devil uses is deception, among the other three, delusion, discouragement, and, and so on and so forth. But today, the focus is deception. We see that in the Bible, where the devil uses that right in the beginning of Genesis, since sin entered the world. And today, in the passage that we're going to look at, we're going to see how we can possess an unshakable faith in the midst of present deception. But before that, let me pray for us. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, would you remove every distraction right now in our midst. Holy Spirit, come and prepare our heads, our hearts, and our hands so that we can hear and boldly respond to your word this morning and it may take root and bear fruits in our lives. We give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today's passage is on 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 to 8. You know, we've been taking a five weeks break since we were on this journey through Thessalonians. And, and through these five weeks, we went through two mini-series, which was building his church through serving and giving. And then we had our missions month, which we went through pray, love, and go. And today, we are finally back on the last leg of our Thessalonians series. And the last time around when we were in the Thessalonians series, our senior pastor preached on praying right through tough times in 
1, 11 to 12. And today we'll be focusing on the first half of chapter 2, on chapter 2. And we're going to learn that of two principles, two principles that will help us possess an unshakable faith. So would you turn your Bibles with me now to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 to 8. The first principle that the Apostle Paul is teaching us is to be wary of deception, to be wary of deception. Look at what he says here in verses 1 and 2. He says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now, the context of this passage is that after Paul gives his greetings and, and some information about the judgment of the Lord, he focuses on the meat of the passage, the focus and purpose in chapter 2. And somehow among the Thessalonian church, there were people hearing misinformation, fake news about how the day of the Lord has arrived. And as a result of that, many of them began to panic. They began to panic. Like how we saw in the COVID pandemic on the news where everyone started hoarding what? Toilet paper. Yeah, you all know. Maybe we are one of them. No, I'm just kidding. But that's what was happening. They were panicking. They were panicking. And, and, and Apostle Paul needed to address this immediately. And this is what he says. And he tells them in verse 2, not to be quickly shaken in mind, or alarm. Not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarm. Now, these two descriptors that are used, it, 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 in essence, in the original language, has this idea of being inwardly disturbed. Inwardly disturbed or frightened psychologically. In other words, the Thessalonians were shook to their core. They were shook to their core as a result of, of the news, the misinformation they heard. So now turn to the person behind you and tell them, Mai Kan Chong, Mai Kan Chong. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, my kanchong means don't panic in Hokkien, okay? For those of you who don't know. The Thessalonians were very kanchong. They were like, oh my God, what do I do? Like Mr. Bean. Like... And that's how they felt. That's how they felt. And the Apostle Paul says, don't be shaken. Don't kanchong. And then because the Apostle Paul didn't know how this misinformation came about, and, and, it, and so he basically listed out all the possible media outlets in that day. And therefore, he, wrote, he, he said here, either by a spirit. Now, the spirit here that the Apostle Paul is talking about is, is referring to some form of, of a prophetic utterance. For example, when someone says, oh, I receive a word from the Lord about this particular thing. So he's saying, either by a spirit that you heard about this day of the Lord, or a spoken word or letter. See, in the ancient Greco-Roman world, it's easy for misinformation to happen. Because someone can say, oh, I received a word from the Apostle Paul. And here's what you say about this. And then how this misinformation can just spread. Similarly for a letter, someone can just sign off. Love the Apostle Paul. And the letter can be passed around and the misinformation spreads. And so the Apostle Paul said, no matter what media outlet you hear, do not be shaken. Do not be shaken. And all the more so, can you imagine in that day, how much misinformation is going around and even today, even though we have all these social media platforms and verification, somehow fake news is still around. True, even though we have Facebook, Discord, Telegram, all these things, fake news is still around. 
You know, recently, a Straits Times report, uh, they wrote an article on August 29th uh, upon interviewing with the police that more than $346.5 million, let me say that again, $346.5 million have been lost just this year as a result of scams. That's a lot of money. And, and what's more is, is that it's reported that the scams reported this year has doubled, has doubled from the entire of 2021. And we're not even done with the year yet. And it's already doubled than the amount that was reported last year. So scams are on a rise exponentially. And then in the article, it also shows you the top 10 scams. Top 10 scams, and you'll be surprised. The first, number one most scams amount of money lost is actually job scams. Job scam followed by all the other things that you see there, phishing, e-commerce, uh, social media impersonation, all these different things. Scams are on the rise. Just as how similarly in the Thessalonian church, they heard this misinformation. And Paul tells them, be wary of deception. And you know, after Paul begins to address this misinformation and tells them, my kanchong, he then goes on, let me tell you why you don't kanchong. And in verses 3 and 4, he tells you exactly why. He says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, just a preface, this is a very difficult and heavy passage, okay? So we need to focus on the main things and not be lost in all these details, okay? But here's the thing, Paul tells us two reasons why the day of the Lord has not arrived. And he tells us two reasons. The first one is that there will be a rebellion that will happen in verse 3. There will be a rebellion. And now, this idea of rebellion is slightly different from how we understand rebellion today. Uh, in the original language, uh, which is apostasia, has this idea of turning away. It's a falling away from God. And in basically a rejection of the lordship of Jesus. That's the essence of this rebellion that is talked about here. And that's why even in another letter that Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 4.1, in 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, now the Spirit expressively says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And so Paul warns them, be wary, be wary. And how this is how you are being wary of deception. Number one, a rebellion will occur first. That's the first thing that happens. And then subsequently, the second thing is that there will be an appearance of this man of lawlessness. Man of lawlessness. Now, many scholars, many scholars have tried to decipher who is this man of lawlessness. And after so many articles, books written about it, the conclusion is it is inconclusive. It is inconclusive. No one really knows who this man of lawlessness really is. But what we do know and what we can know is that this man of lawlessness is equivalent and it's the same person talked about in First and Second John talking about the Antichrist. They are of the same person. But what's more important is that Paul tells us three descriptions of this man of lawlessness. 
But before we do that, you might be wondering, what is this lawlessness? What is this lawlessness talked about? And I like what Beverly Joventa has to say, a professor, about this lawlessness. She says, it is the refusal to submit to the authority of God as creator. The refusal to acknowledge God as God. That, in essence, my friends, is lawlessness, or in what we can better understand as you live a life as though there's no law. Voting who? And so that's what lawlessness is all about. And, and Paul here then goes on to talk about the three key things, the three characteristics of the man of lawlessness. The first thing that he talks about here is that this man will be revealed by God. Now, we have to understand that this man of lawlessness would not just appear among us and we will just, oh, this man is that one, that one. No, but God himself, it says that God himself needs to reveal this man of lawlessness. Now, when the Bible says this man will be revealed, he's talking about a higher being having to reveal, having to make known, having to make known this man of lawlessness. On our own accord, we will not be able to identify and know who this man of lawlessness is. So he will be revealed by God. That's the first thing the Apostle tells us. And the second thing about this character of this man of lawlessness is that this man, he is destined for destruction. He's destined for destruction. And this is why he says in verse 3, he says, the description next to man of lawlessness is that he's the son of destruction. The son of destruction. And, and, and basically, what Paul is saying is that this man of lawlessness, no matter what chaos he brings to this world, the destiny of this man is clear. He is destined for destruction. He is destined for the destruction when God comes and pronounces his final judgment on this man of lawlessness and he will be completely destroyed. And we'll see that later on in verse 8 of what exactly Jesus would do to this man of lawlessness. That's the second thing. He is destined for son of destruction. Um, you know, it's interesting that, that Paul actually uses this, this same phrase, son of or children of, in, in earlier passage in 1 Thessalonians, where in, in chapter 5, where he calls us sons of or children of light. Sons or children of light. In comparison to this man of lawlessness who is the son of destruction. So that's the second thing. He is destined for destruction. The third thing is that this man, he will exalt himself as a God. Notice what verse 3 and 4 says, that he would oppose every worshipped object and every God. So not just Christianity, but every religion, he will oppose them and he will make himself a God. That in essence is what Paul is saying. He will exalt himself as God. Now often scholars compare this with a, uh, a, a the narrative in Daniel, in Daniel 11. 36 to 37, where they compare this king, this king who worships a foreign god, and they compare the similarities between this man of lawlessness to the man talked about in Daniel. But there's also differences because this man of lawlessness did not worship a foreign god, but this man of lawlessness, he takes it up a notch. He makes himself a god. Can you see the arrogance? Can you see the arrogance and the and the audacity for this man of lawlessness to call himself and exalt himself as a God. Those are the three characteristics of the man of lawlessness. And Paul, in these first few verses, tells us to be wary, be wary of deception in the world that we live. 
You know, then you might be wondering, how then, how then can we be wary of deception? You know, one of the ways that we can be wary of deception is by planting ourselves in a faith community. How many of you here are in CG Show Hands? Okay, okay. Now, the hand's not raised. Uh, we'll take note. No, just kidding. But being in a faith community, it is crucial for us in order for us to be wary of deception. And you know, all of us have blind spots, whether we want to admit it or not. We all have blind spots, and we need people around us to call us out, to keep us accountable, so that we are wary of the deceptions in the world that we live in. I myself have a lot of blind spots, and therefore I'm in a few communities so that I can make sure that people call me out for my blind spots. And over here in this picture, there are two such communities as example to show you. The one on, the, on my right is a community where uh, I've been journeying with my wife, who is on the extreme other side of me, um, where we journey with uh, our MPC counsellors, marriage, marriage prep counsellors, uh, and with another couple, Porsche and Amanda. And we did the marriage prep uh, a while back ago. Um, and we have been journeying together ever since, even after we got married and stuff. Uh, it's been a while, but we still, but we still continue to meet up regularly with uh, Pastor Jeremy and Auntie Swanai, um, and also separately with Paul and Amanda, who is now back in Australia. So this is one community to journey along in your season of life. The other uh, is a picture taken recently uh, at a wedding. Basically, this group of guys uh, I've known since 12 years old, um, and we basically just call each other out with no host bar because we know each other for a long time. So it's important that we call each other out. And, and so this photo was taken just this August. Uh, one of my friends, Brandon, uh, in the center on my left, uh, got married, and I had the privilege to conduct the wedding. Um, so these are two communities, and many more communities that you can be part of, that will journey with you and call out your blind spots. And it's necessary. And so as we think about what Paul is saying here, to be wary of deception, the question then is, are you in a faith community or are you in faith communities that can journey with you to call out your blind spots? If yes, which a lot of you have raised your hands, I want to encourage you to continue to persevere, to be accountable to your community because the deceptions in the world are real and we need to be awakened to that. For those of you who are not, maybe you may be thinking how you can begin this process. There are two ways I want to suggest for those on-site and online. Either you look for us, any of the staff after service, uh, and we can journey with you to begin that process of helping you to find a small group. Or the second way, which is easier, which is to sign up with Breakthrough Weekend, which is what Pastor Kai talked about earlier, as a beginner, a teaser of what it means to journey in community. So the three breakthrough weekends, regardless of which one you choose, that will be a good starting place as well. So the first point, be wary of deception. That's the first principle that the Apostle Paul is telling us. The second is, don't worry. Turn to someone next to you now and say, be wary, but don't worry. Turn to the person next to you and say that now. Be wary, but don't worry. Be wary, but don't worry because God is in control, because God is in control. In the next few verses from verses 5 through 8, after Paul talked about addressing this day of the Lord and tell them, my kanchong, and he gives us two reasons why, he goes on to comfort the people and to tell us the reason why they really don't have to panic. 
In verse 5 to 7, let's look at it right now. It says, in verse 5, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Let's stop there at verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Now, there are two things that the Apostle would show us that will show us how God is in control. The first thing is that we must return. We must return to the truth of God. Paul asked this very specially crafted rhetorical question. He said, do you not remember? What Paul is saying here is, you definitely remember, right, what I told you in person. Paul was actually invoking a memory of the Thessalonians, that, that he was there present with the church. And he told them, I was here in flesh, and I told you with my own mouth about the day of the Lord and other issues. Do you not remember? Remember. Remember. And that's why Paul says he addressed all the different media outlets that was present in that day. He says, disregard all of them. Disregard of whatever information and media outlet because the man himself told you about the day of the Lord and verbally told you as well what's going to happen. Don't, don't bother about all these media outlets that here says about what I tell you. Remember what I said to you in person. That's the question and that's the emotions and response that Paul is trying to evoke when he asks the question. Friends, it's not just the Thessalonians that forget easily. All of us here, including myself, we tend to forget. And then the question then is, how can we remember? How can we remember the teachings of the Lord? Not just in the area of the day of the Lord, but in all areas of our lives. How can we remember the truth of God, so that we don't fall into deception. We must return to the word of the Lord. And that's what Pastor Emmanuel says, we must return to the fundamentals, the first principle, the word of the Lord as the anchor for our lives and our soul. You know, I love what Focus on the Family did, uh, not, not recently, but a while back, uh, where they created an ABC equivalent for toddlers. Now, you know, ABCs are, are learned when kids grow up. Focus on the family came out with the ABCs of biblical truths. And I found it very, very interesting and helpful. For example, A, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find. That's one of the passages in A. B, be still and know that I am God. Psalms 46. Or C, children, obey your parents in everything. Colossians 3.20. All these ABCDEFG. These are actually building up the truth bank of the children. So families, if you're interested, it's never too early to begin your children in, in remembering Scripture to a fun ABC method. We must return to the truth of God. And that's also why in IDT, Intentional Discipleship Training, uh, where we emphasize on Scripture memory, because in moments where we are tempted in moments of deception, we recall the truth that we have memorized and remember. And that's why we have scriptural memory as an emphasis for intentional discipleship training. For those of you who are unfamiliar, IDT is a growth track. For those of you who are interested to spend one evening once a week uh, to dive into the Word of God together as a community for one and a half years. So, we must return to the Word of the Lord. No matter how you want to go about doing it, we must return 
to the word of the Lord. The second thing that Paul tells us is found in verses 6 through 8. 6 through 8. He says, And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Verse 6 and 7. We see that now Paul brings up a third thing, not just a man of lawlessness and a rebellion, but he talks about this person or thing that will restrain, that will restrain the man of lawlessness. Now again, just like the man of lawlessness, there are no conclusive evidence on who this restrainer is or what this restrainer is. But the more important thing and principle that we must understand from these two verses is that nothing and no one is out of the hands of God. That God is in control of what's happening. So that's the second principle that we're going to look at now, is that we must recognize the sovereignty of God. We must recognize the sovereignty of God in these two verses. We come to see, again, that this restrainer will be revealed. It will be revealed by God himself, again. And so we see throughout this passage that God is sovereignly in control, regardless of whether it's the rebellion, the man of lawlessness, or this restrainer that is helping. God is in control, and God is sovereign over all of them. And that's more important than trying to find out the identity of who this restrainer is. And to top it off, and to top it off, in verse 8, Paul then goes on to tell the the end game, the end game of this man of lawlessness, this end game of, of the man of lawlessness, this is what he says in verse 8. He says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Bring to nothing to the appearance of his coming. Now, now if you look at this verse, do you all think that it was a fight? Was there a fight? There was no fight at all. There was no fight at all. We see that God has completely in control and, and, and we see that the destiny of this destruction of the man of lawlessness, we see that here in verse 8, where Jesus, where Jesus, with the breath of his mouth, kills this man of lawlessness. And I love how the ESV translates this part. He says, and bring to nothing, and bring to nothing, by the appearance of this man of lawlessness. Can you see the sovereignty of our most high God? This is the God that we worship, my friends. There is nothing that is out of the hands of our Lord. This is the king we worship. This is the king that we were preparing to meet, King Jesus. And so there are two things that the apostle tells us that we must remember to go back to the truth, return to the truth of God. And secondly, to recognize the sovereignty of God. And in so doing, we will come to know that we don't have to worry because God is in control. You know, it reminds me of a scene in, 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 in Endgame, in Avengers. How many of you watched Avengers before? Yeah? And one of the scenes that I really love in Avengers, is the scene where Loki first met Hulk. When Loki first met Hulk. I don't know how many of you remember in the Stark Towers, and when Loki came up to, to Hulk, and he was like, 
He was along the lines of, who, who, who are you, you dull creature? I am a God. Then along the lines, before he finished a sentence of how he shouldn't be treated, Hawk takes him and then he smashes Loki, left, right. And then the camera pans to Hawk and then he, he whispers, puny God. And then he walks away. Then the camera pans back to Loki and Loki like, it, it reminds me, when I read that passage, it reminded me of how this man of lawlessness is so small that God even God didn't do anything. He just breathed and he killed this man of lawlessness. And so my friends, we must remember that God is sovereign. God is sovereign over all these things that we read about, all this chaos that's happened. We must remember that the final victory belongs to the Lord. This is the God that we worship and we must remember that and we must live that out in the reality today. You know, so two things for us to remember today on how we can possess an unshakable faith. Number one, be wary of deception. Number two, don't worry because God is in control. I want to close with a simple story. Recently, I heard from a friend of mine uh, and she told me Let's just call her Mary for namesake. Mary told me about this incident with her friend. And Mary has been, she trains, she's a professional athlete that goes for overseas competitions uh, with a group of, of, of friends. And there was this particular incident that happened that she, there was told of her recently uh, where this friend of hers uh, went overseas for this competition. And when this her friend, when, when Mary's friend went over there, there was no issues. And, 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 and he just go on to do his competition. And when he came back, that was when he realized the change. There was something weird that happened. He said, I, I suddenly feel all of a sudden very strong. Like all of a sudden, I, I, can, I can keep hitting my, my personal best. And all of a sudden, he became very strong. And he was wondering, what's happening? After just going for the competition, I come back. What? What? Why, why is that a change? And so he just left it as that. He was like, oh, that's great. Maybe I grew stronger. So for the past few years, he just went about his life. And Mary's friend, just this year, he went back to that particular country where he did uh, that competition. And when he went back, something happened again. And when he went back to this place, he suddenly felt very weak. He felt like all the strength that he had when he first went there were all lost. And he was like, oh, something must be off. And so Mary's friend went to, he was having a conversation with one of his friends and the father was present. And the father, who happened to be a medium, then asked him more questions. And the father said, um, yeah, basically he asked more questions and, and through all the, the, the finding out, the conclusion of the story was that this, this Mary's friend, he happened to pick up a spirit, a spirit when he went to that competition. And that spirit followed him back to Singapore. And that was the reason why that spirit enabled, energized him to be that strong. But then he said, the reason why you became weak again was because when you didn't worship that spirit, you didn't worship that spirit. So when you went back to that place, the spirit returned home. And that's the reason why you were strong and then you became weak when you, when you went back to that country again. But what is interesting is what followed the following conversation. He then asked, were there anyone else that was present with you 
And he said, yes. There was another friend who was also competing. Mary, my friend. And then he followed up to ask, oh, does this, this person, does, he, does she believe in anything? He said, yes. This, this, my friend Mary is a Christian. He said, oh, no wonder. Because no, there are no spirits that are able to follow anyone who is a believer of Jesus Christ. My friends, I tell this story to simply help us to be awakened, to be awakened to the reality, to the world that we live in. Sometimes we don't see it, but Paul tells us and reminds us that the battle we have is not between flesh and blood, but ultimately with the spiritual realm that is actively present. That's why it says in verse 7, the mystery of lawlessness is presently at work. It is present right now in our midst. And Paul is telling and calling us that we must be awakened to that reality. We must be wary of deception. It's around us. But what's more important is not just being aware of the spiritual realm that we're around us, but more importantly, we must also be awakened to the reality that Jesus has won the victory. That Jesus has won the victory, my friends. That despite how the mystery of lawlessness is at work, we can rely and we can know for a fact that Jesus has won all the victory and that no principality, no authorities in the world can stop Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of gods. And so that's the spiritual burden that we have today as we unpack this passage, that we must be awakened to the reality as we are wary of deception. We must recognize, we must recognize that God is in control. And as we stand right now, would you stand with me? One of the things I want us to do as a simple response is I want us to sing this song as a response as a way to say, Lord, help me to be awakened to that reality of what your scripture says about the spiritual realm, but more importantly, about the victory that I have in Christ. And Pastor Ed always says that we don't fight for victory, but we fight from a place of victory. And this is what we are going to do today as we declare this song over our lives right now, over the situations and challenges that we face. We declare that when we fight, we fight from a place of victory in Christ. So let's sing this song as a simple response to the Lord. Let's sing the weapon may be formed. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness, when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I saw knows only how to triumph My God will never fail Let's sing My God will never fail My God will never Let's declare this, I'm gonna see I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs Let's, let's declare this I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle For the battle belongs to you It's Lord Jesus We fix our eyes on you Because there's power in the mighty name of Jesus Come on church 
There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, every war he wages, he will win this victory. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how. I know how this story ends. We know how the story ends. Know how this come on, let's declare. I'm gonna see. Oh, I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to me. Yes, Lord Jesus, your victory. Your victory. I'm gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs. Let's declare this over our lives, over our struggles. I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you I'm gonna see I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you Yes, Lord Jesus Church, as we continue in a posture of worship Response to God with all head bowed and all eyes closed. There's a group out there who is struggling with a specific stronghold in their lives. Whether it be sin, whether it be a mental health issue, and you feel a sense of hopelessness, you feel like there is no end to this, you feel like this is your life for the rest of your life. And if there are people out there whom you feel that way, you feel trapped, the Word of God today tells us and declares that the victory belongs to the Lord. The victory belongs to the Lord. And I want to pray for you if that's you, if you feel like you are in a situation that you feel hopeless, that you feel like there is no end, that there is a stronghold in your life that you desire the Lord to break this morning. If that is you at the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. I want to pray for you. At the count of three, one, two, three, wherever you're at, raise your hands. Yes, the Lord sees your hands all across the room. Yes, Father God, we pray right now. You see the hands that are raised. Father God, we stand here right now. We claim and we know our identity is found in you as a child of the Most High God. And then we stand. We stand in that identity, Lord. And that as we fight against this issue, this stronghold, we come to know that we're not fighting for victory, but because we have found we are found in you we fight from victory and so God the hands that are raised right now we claim that we claim the identity as a child of God that there is no principality no stronghold in our lives that is bigger than you and God we ask of you this day by the power of your Holy Spirit by the blood that was shed on that cross we claim it right now in the name of Jesus to break it break it right now in the name of Jesus oh Lord come those of you whose hands are raised, please continue raising your hands. Receive it from the Lord. Receive it from the Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Break those chains in the name of Jesus. We stand from a place of victory. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. We declare this right now. That there's no stronghold in our lives. Because we are a child of God. And because we are, you, Lord Jesus, have won the victory. We stand and we claim that. We claim that right now today that you will be broken in the name of Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing and declare this. Oh, I'm gonna see your victory. 
Come on, Spirit church, let's respond. Let's declare His victory over our lives. We come from victory. I'm gonna see a victory in every aspect of our lives. Battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs. Once more, let's declare this. Oh, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs One last time, I'm gonna see I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle Let's declare this for the battle belongs to our God For the battle belongs to Let's lift our hands For the battle belongs to the Lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811, or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.